Hello Channel Pros! I hope your 2023 is off to a great start. I am in Orlando, Florida this week with 1,400 of my colleagues for our Global Beyond Trust Company kickoff. What an awesome way to jumpstart the year, meeting everyone face-to-face, -face, aligning on our strategic priorities and our go-to-market strategies, and of course, having some fun here too. I'm presenting our partner ecosystem strategy and how we're leveraging our growing ecosystem to attain, grow, and protect our customers. This is Rob Spee, your host of Channel Journeys. My goal with this podcast is to help you navigate the changing landscape in channels, find new ways to grow your business and your channel career. Recently, I had the opportunity to share my experiences as a channel chief and offer some career advice with Maciek Danielski. He is the host of the new Channel Voices podcast. Maciek asks a lot of really good questions that led to a, a fun and, and really informative conversation, I think. So I thought I'd share the entire podcast with you, and I hope you enjoy it too. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, welcome, and thank you for tuning into Channel Voices, the podcast for future channel leaders, where we learn the ins and outs of partner ecosystems through casual conversations with channel professionals from a variety of industries, partner types, and geographies. My name is Maciek, and I'm your host. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to take the opportunity to wish you a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. Let 2023 be the year of your hard-earned success for you and your channel. Today's guest does not need an introduction, and you have probably already recognized his voice from the very successful podcast, Channel Journeys. He is currently the SVP Global Channel and Alliances at Beyond Trust. Previously, he has held channel leadership positions at companies like Carbonite, SAS and OutSystems, as well as running his own channel consultancy business. Rob Spee, welcome to Channel Voices. Hey, Magic. How are you doing? I'm very good. How are you? I'm great. Uh, great to join you on your show. Thanks a million. Especially, you know, when I, when I got into podcasting or before I got into podcasting, the one podcast that I listened to was Channel Journeys, which is hosted by you and has been running for quite, quite a few years. And, yeah, four uh, years now. Four years. Look at that. Congratulations on reaching your fantastic milestones of um, going over 100 episodes as of right now. Yeah, thank you. And congratulations to you for launching the podcast. That's, Thanks that's the much. hardest part is just launching it. That's exactly it. Yes. You get all those ideas. You start thinking about it. You've, you know, you put everything on paper, but they always say the hardest thing is to start. Yeah, it is. Well, welcome to the club. Love what you're doing. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks very much. Thanks for joining me, Rob. So today, um, the topic is going to be around, around the channel chief, right? Okay. The role of the channel chief uh, within, um, within a company, but maybe even before we get in there, like today, you're the SVP Global Channel and Alliances at Beyond Trust. Right. Right. But maybe can you tell us a little bit about your channel background? You weren't a channel chief straight off the bat. No, I wasn't. Um, I, I got my first start in the channel many, many years ago for a small software company out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. And uh, there was an, an ad for an international sales manager. And I I had been working internationally, loved working you know, with international uh, regions and it sounded like a great role for me. I jumped in and it turned out that I was selling through partners and that there was my first channel role. And, and I had exclusive partners in, in all the countries. I covered about half of Europe and all of Latin America. And it was my first foray into that. And I just, 
I, I just fell in love. I was enamored by that role, um, enamored with working with partners. It kind of struck in an entrepreneurial chord with me of being able to help these many small business, small businessmen, you know, who had, had founded and built these, these channel companies. And I just really enjoyed doing that and helping them build their business and helping them be successful. And from there, I held a, a wide variety of, of different channel roles, working as, uh, as that kind of channel manager, working in distribution. I was in distribution for a number of years with Arrow. I went out and became a partner myself and started up my own reseller uh, business with some partners uh, as a Splunk partner in the early okay. days of Splunk. Uh, and then came back into, I actually did a little channel consulting for a while too, and then fell into this role. So I've had a lot of different roles that have led up to this channel chief role. Uh, which I really love. It's a great, great position. I feel really fortunate to be able to do this at Beyond Trust. Excellent. Um, thank you for that. Did Were you ever um, thinking of getting out of the channel anywhere throughout that journey or you were like, no, this is it? I never did, Magic. That's a good question. I, I never did think of getting out. I really enjoyed, I get bored easily. And so I love the diversity of the role. You just do so many different things. And I've really enjoyed doing the role from different perspectives, you know, jumping out into the channel, um, jumping into distribution and really getting a better appreciation of the challenges of the different components of the channels uh, and that alliances world, which I, I think is really helpful. The, the roles you held, you know, from the channel manager to running your own channel consultancy, how does that differ from holding that channel chief position? And maybe if you could tell us also, you know, what what does that typical day of a channel chief looks like? I'm I'm, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. <laughs> they they hear, you know, that they they are on LinkedIn. They follow a lot of channel chiefs. They want to learn from them, which is great. But you know, it, is it is it only that advocacy? What else is within that role? Yeah, I don't know if there is a typical day, Magic. <laughs> maybe if I was better at structuring my my job, I I would have a typical day, but I never do. I guess the difference is it's so all-encompassing, the, the role of channel chief, particularly in a SaaS organization where you're trying to transform the channel, you, you know, this whole ecosystem approach and this transitioning from a transactional channel to an ecosystem. There's just so much that you have to do. Uh, you know, getting that board level, executive level sponsorship and helping them understand this, this shift, this transition, the team alignment that you've got to do across the company, the working with partners and understanding what they're doing and their transformation, working with so many different types of partners of all different sizes and, you know, makes makeups of business models. I think the big difference is when I was early in my career, that first channel job that I had was just so straightforward. I knew exactly what I did. It was a very narrow tranche of helping these partners succeed in selling, and then they would go on and implement. And it was just a very narrow focus. Um, I've had channel marketing jobs that were very narrowly focused. I've had being a, a channel partner was narrowly focused. I had to go out and find new customers. I had to build a business. And it feels like this job now is just a culmination of all of that. And you're juggling so many balls. And, and of course, you've also trying to lead a team and inspire them and, and help them grow and develop into what they need to do. So it's, right. it's just such a broad and diverse role to have. So there isn't a typical day. Every day is different. There's something else on the agenda every single day. And you're trying yeah. to put it and piece it all together, right? There is. There is. And I think the challenge that I have is there's so much internal work that you do putting this together. 
you know, it's really forcing myself to get out and still spend time talking with partners, meeting with partners, which is probably the part of the job I love the most, but it's, it's really hard to carve out enough time to do that. And there's one thing you mentioned just there. Um, you talked about, you know, that mind shift for a lot of companies. Not every company starts as a channel company. Some start as a direct sales type of go-to-market. Others right. change and become a hybrid. Others change completely and go 180 and they go channel only, yeah. right? But what? how difficult is it to shift those minds of those leaders when you're coming on board, you're you're hired to um, to scale the channel or build the channel, but they th those people typically they understand the go to market strategies, they understand mm -hmm. the benefits, but they don't necessarily understand the ins and outs. How do yeah. you how do you get them onto your side? How do you get them to sign off on things that you need, be it people, be it um, be it technology? Um, you know, someone to go out there and recruit partners. How how do you get them to understand that and invest in the channel properly? Yeah, I think it's continuous education. You know, you you come into a role um, and there's a huge amount of enthusiasm, kind of like for a new partnership. You know, you sign up a partner and there's all this enthusiasm, but it can it can dwindle very quickly. It's the same in this kind of role and, and probably any channel role. You know, you've got to jump in, you've got all that enthusiasm, you get people on board and rallied and aligned to the new strategy, but you've got to constantly keep checking in and make sure that you have that alignment. And you've also got to constantly show incremental value of what you're doing, right? Because attention can wane, enthusiasm can wane. You can start having some people saying, well, why isn't it delivering fast enough? You know, we've been on the marketplace for three months. Why aren't we, why aren't we getting all these deals from that, that cloud right. vendor, right? So you've got to keep, I think, selling the value and, and demonstrating the value. And, and that's where tracking the value is, is getting so tough, too, you know, because all these new motions of influence and that type of thing. How do you show the value of that while you're transitioning your, your model? So you've also got to show the value from the old model, too. You, know, you can't just throw that out. Yeah, I, I like that analogy that it is like with a new partnership. You sign a new partner. And everyone's excited. All that enablement is happening. You're training the partners up. And then three months down the line, there's still no deal. Yeah. Right? There's no there's no referral. There's no deal registration. Right. And that can dwindle down. Like you like you said, that excitement kind of dies right. off. And what are we doing with this partner? Are they doing anything? But those That's things right. take time. Right. It's continuous education, like you said, but showing that value, I think. What, from what I see today, it's not so much understanding how the value is being delivered by the partners into the company or through different partnerships, because mm -hmm. it's not only partners, right? It's it's marketplaces. It's, it's everything else. Right. But it's how, like you said, how do I measure this, right? Yes. People are really getting into this. And I think Jay McBain said it on, on, on one of the episodes I've done with him was that Channel managers and channel leaders are going to become nearly like data miners, right? They're going to come in and they're going to be doing a lot of stuff with data because that value yeah. needs to be shown clearly to the C-suite so they understand how that value comes into the company. Yeah, I agree. And I'm, you know, typical day, almost every day I am diving into the data. And, you know, constantly looking for new things in the data to try to get baselines of where we're at. 
And I think that's so critical because as you're trying new motions, um, for example, we had primarily a transactional channel at Beyond Trust, and we're starting to build out a, the delivery channel, the implementation that is so important in a SaaS business, right, for that, yeah. that adoption and expansion. But I didn't have a baseline even of where our partners were at from a delivery perspective in terms of their talent, their skills, um, the number of implementations they were doing, and, and really understanding that business. So we had to do a lot of analytics and implement some new ways to capture that data. And we're still doing, we're still on that journey. There are more things that we're doing, but that analytics piece is, is so important. And I was talking to one of our marketers yesterday, our field marketing leader for EMEA. We were talking about the same thing. How do we start really getting those baselines and tracking all the points of influence along the customer journey? Yeah. And um, have you ever worked in an organization where there was that hybrid go-to-market where it was direct sales and channel sales? Oh, yeah, and I'm in one right now. Oh, all right, great. Because um, I, I, I keep wondering about this, right? Because I, I do hear quite a bit about it. And it's like, you know, yes, we are a channel organization. There is a direct sales um, organization. But, you know, sometimes the goals are misaligned. Mm-hmm. Even this, the direct sales guys, some somewhat need to play into the channel and vice versa. You know, if there is a if there is a potential customer that, let's say we ca- we can't service that customer directly, we need partner support, etc. Yeah. Sometimes, you know how it is with salespeople, right? And, yeah. I, and I'm a salesperson myself, right? If I give it to the partner, I might lose some margin for me. Right. Right. If I give it to the channel, maybe channel takes the whole deal and I don't get anything. So how do you how do companies or how should companies deal with 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 those or maybe prevent those types of conflicts and make sure that things are going as smooth as possible and the goals are aligned? So there's Mm -hmm. no there's no misconception of, you know, I will get paid on it or I will not. And yeah, I think there are multiple aspects to it. And I look at it. Rich Blakeman, who I had my, on my podcast, wrote a great book about the hybrid sales channel. And it's hybrid selling, where you have both direct sellers and partners, and you're looking at like a hybrid car. And sometimes the, 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 you know, the, the gas, the petrol engine is checking, kicking in, and sometimes it's the electric engine kicking in. And you're using different skills and, and resources for different reasons. So I, I kind of look at these blended models uh, the same way. And so when I'm working with the sales teams, we're, we're trying to understand what is the role of the partner in this engagement, you know, and it can be, it doesn't have to be just for the transaction. That's what I'm trying to get across with our sellers is, okay, there may be a reason why you want to engage that partner to help you sell, go in there and do demos, leverage their relationships, all of the traditional things. You may be bringing the partner in more because they're going to do the implementation work, right? And bring them in early to be part of those conversations. So trying to move away from that thinking of you have to always sell with that partner or, or give that deal to that partner. I think that's still important in developing a channel, but mm-hmm. there are so many other ways that partners can help influence and drive the business before and after the transaction. So that's the concept that I'm really trying to push. I think it's, it is tough still at times, you know, you, you get frustrated because you don't feel like the reps, some of the reps, it's not all, you always have some reps that are, 100% in on the channel. They do everything with partners and there are other reps right. that hold it closer to the best, right? And they don't want to work. So I try to get them on board by leveraging the other value that partners can provide and help them see that and start developing those relationships. 
And then sometimes over time, they start want to working more in the early stages of selling with those partners. And then those partners start, re, you know, bringing back business in kind to them. Fantastic. And thank you for referencing the um, the book and your guest. We'll, we'll link in the in the show notes below so so people can go and listen to that as well that explains a little bit more about that hybrid model thank yeah. you very much you're welcome in position like yours where you're you know you're 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 so high up you've got so much to do internally right speaking to the c suite trying to show that value that the channel delivers that your team delivers manage that team do you still have time to meet and speak with partners? Yes. And like I said, I've got to make a real effort. I've got to carve out time in my calendar, you know, because our calendars gets packed so quickly. And um, I, I like the concept of big rocks. Put the big rocks on your on your Outlook calendar, whatever you're using, right? So that you make sure that those are carved out because everything, all the other sand that's going to fill in the cracks, you know, is yeah. going to come pouring at you. But make sure the most important items are blocked out on your calendar. So I block out time for that partner engagement and try to make an, an effort to make sure that I've got calls lined up. Um, like for example, with our partner advisory board, you know, having regular, at least quarterly touch points with all of those partners. Um, and then getting out, just getting out in the field and meeting partners face to face. Um, now that we can travel again, you know, we're getting out <laughs> face to face and seeing partners and that's, they appreciate it. And I appreciate it because you, you hear things face to face that you're just not going to hear on that phone call. So yeah, I I do find time. I I wish I had more for it, and it's so so critical. And we're really pushing all of us, all of the folks on our team, to get out there face to face with the partners because we got we were in our cocoons for a while. Now we got to get back out there with them. Yeah, we sure were, we sure were with the COVID and everything else. Yes, but yeah. um, yeah, it was definitely tough times, and and then we started doing all those webinars right very mm -hmm. regularly. Try yeah. to get the audiences like this way. Then yeah. the and then we had We're, the webinar fatigue that kicked in and there was no communication. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's really refreshing to get it back out again. And we're we're going to be, uh, we have our big company kickoff coming out. We're bringing our entire company in because we want to just get everyone back together. So we've got about 1,400 employees and we're all going to meet for a kickoff in, in January. And then in, in uh, May, we do our big partner and customer event. So that's a big chance to get everyone face to face. We also just started, and I know a lot of companies do this, uh, partner surveys. So we're trying to do yeah. more surveying for that baseline information. Um, and we're going to be getting like a net promoter score from our partners to see how we're doing. And obviously, what can we do then to start improving that? Fantastic. Good, good to hear. Um, yeah. And I think that is definitely a trend that started quite recently mm -hmm. because, yeah, companies were slightly disjointed from, from their partners and they want to hear now. Are we doing the right things? Yeah. Would you have recommended us, you know, to another partner company to work with us? Um, yeah, definitely is of is of high value. So again, do you do you get involved in things like um, designing the channel programs and trying to understand what partners need and and see what else can you deliver for them? Because when I when I think and I go back to the um, uh, to my start within, you know, working with or through channel. And my first question was like, okay, how do, how do those partners make me money? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and at that very young and age and that early level, I never thought, what do we do for partners? Right. Yeah. But 
companies started thinking that way exactly what can we do for the partners so then in return we get the business from them yeah I, I do get heavily involved and I really enjoy that part of it, Magic. I, I love kind of designing these partner programs. I've got a fantastic owner of Global Partner Programs and Operations, Jeff Matten. Um, he might say I get too involved. because <laughs> What I'm trying to do, though, is set the vision of what we're doing, because just like our channel, our program was very much a transactional program. We've got the metallic okay. tiers, you know, who are our top sellers, that type of thing. But we're transitioning it to an ecosystem program. And we took the first steps of of building in all the different motions into our partner agreement and into the partner program. And we're still evolving that. We're going to be several iterative steps. So in January, we're going to launch the next iteration of that program and what it looks like to help partners get even more enabled. And it's really enablement focused and engagement focused. So I'm helping to set the vision and guiding where we can take that program as he builds out all the you know, the nuts and bolts of how we do it. And then how do we execute it in our systems as well? You know, the partner portal and Salesforce and all of that. Yeah. Okay. So with so many things moving around, so many responsibilities, being involved externally with the partners, internally with the stakeholders, with your own team, mm -hmm. with project owners, etc. What does keep Rob the channel chief awake at night? <laughs> I, I think it varies, you know, it kind of depends <laughs> what's going on. Um, so depending on what's, what's the hot topic at the moment, right now it's, it's 23 planning. And what's keeping me up is what is the most effective way to leverage the resources that we have and the people that we have, and how do we help them succeed in this transformation? because it is challenging and we've got to, we're thinking a lot about comp plans and how do we make comp plans align and not just the comp plans for the channel folks, for the Alliance folks, but also for our sellers. How do we make sure that their comp plans are aligned to our partner strategy, the channel SEs and the field SEs, um, all the teams, how do we make sure that we're aligning in our, in our go-to-market strategy, which is very partner intensive. So that's a current one. Um, then I start thinking about, okay, are we hitting our targets, right? That's, that's yeah. always a top one. And if we're not hitting our targets, what are we going to do about it? So that, that, that can be a, a really top issue for that's us. That's a recurring yeah, one, right? <laughs> that's a recurring one. Yeah. Especially end of quarter, right? We're getting yeah. crunched uh, the last month for us on the, on the calendar fiscal year. So we've got a huge chunk of business that comes in the last couple of weeks. So a, a lot yeah. of attention there, but I've got to be forward thinking and, and even even beyond next year, you know, I'm looking into 24 and what that's going to look like uh, from our program, our team, our goals, and and really taking a look at how is the the ecosystem going to evolve over time. But yeah, um, there, there could be a lot of different things that, that keep me up at night that I wake up and start thinking about and go, "All right, are we, are we do we have this covered or not?" Right. And if you were if you were to give um, some advice to anyone that might aspire to become a channel chief one day, what would be the top three things that you would, that you would tell them? Hmm. I think one is get a variety of experience. You know, I, I think that I really have benefited by having a lot of different roles and in different functions too. You know, it really helps to have a broad, diverse background, particularly in this whole ecosystem mindset that we're going into 
where it's not just a transactional selling motion. So I think if you can have roles with different types of companies, you know, an ISV, a distributor, go out and work it in the partner community as well. And then also look to hold different roles, sales roles, marketing roles, um, customer service, anything that you can do to broaden your background and, and think about how do I get a more diverse background so I can have more empathy for the different challenges and different people that I'm working with? Because it's it's really important that you don't go in and whether it's a partner or an internal stakeholder and just kind of go in and push your agenda. You first got to understand their agenda, right? And, and have empathy to that agenda and then help them understand what you're trying to do and then get them to blend so that it all becomes one agenda. So I think that's the first thing is get that, that diverse background. Um, what would be a second recommendation? I think networking and just building your network is hugely important. Um, I lean on so many folks, you know, just, just doing this podcast is right. huge. Now, not that every channel chief has to have a podcast, but I learned so much and I, you want to be, you've got to have a mindset of continuously learning in this role and don't be stuck in how we did things 10 years ago, five years ago, or even last year, you got to constantly learning and evolving. So having that, that curiosity mindset of constantly learning and find ways to constantly learn and constantly network um, is really going to help you. I think, I think those are really two big things. I think the third one is how, have an outside hobby. You know, <laughs> you need some stress relief because this can be a stressful, yeah. stressful position. So I think, and any roles like this, I think it really helps, you know, have something outside of, outside of the channel, outside of work that you love doing. I have my passions that I talk about on my podcast and those are my Zen moments. Those are the times to just get out and just, sometimes I'm thinking about the channel and my job, but a lot of times I'm not, I, I have passions that are so intense that I'm, I'm just not thinking about, I'm thinking about what I'm doing at the moment. That, and that's what I love is that that little bit of a break, right, from for the brain of what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you. And folks, if you want to find out what passions Rob is not talking about here, <laughs> you have to go and check out Channel Journeys. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You'll hear pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. The, the the question I ask of every single guest on the show, what's what's the one thing? you wish you knew before you started your career in channel rub um i guess the one thing that i wish i knew was how to how to be an effective leader and i i learned the hard way of of being kind of a selfish leader and just promoting myself and it was a very painful lesson and i've really transitioned to to much more of what i call the servant leadership model right and it's so important, you know, it's it's all about how do I help others succeed? And it's how do I help? Because that's a partner role, right? You're looking right. at, and I, I had that mindset from a channel perspective. I always wanted to help my partners succeed. But then as I moved up into leadership, I was more, I was too focused on my own advancement and not enough on helping my team advance and helping them be successful. So I think if I had known that earlier, it really would have helped me in my career and it would have helped the people, the poor people that had to work for me in the early days, you know, as I was, I was <laughs> as I was learning that painful lesson. <laughs> right. <laughs> very good. That's very honest. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing that, uh, that with us. Would there be any parting words from, from Rob, the channel chief before, before we close out? Well, I, I hope a lot of people aspire, you know, whatever role they're in to become a channel chief. And 
Um, there are a lot of people getting into the channel from different roles outside the channel, stepping in at various roles, even leadership roles. And I just encourage everyone to to go out and talk to channel chiefs. And I th- I'm, I'm really glad that we had this interview just to kind of share what the role is all about. And there's a lot more to it, obviously, than what we can cover in a half hour. But I would say, yeah, just start reaching out. I'm, I always welcome people reaching out to me um, and reach out to other channel chiefs and reach out to other people in all the different roles. You know, whatever role you're in, if you're a channel manager, a cam, reach out to other channel positions and even positions outside the channel to network, to learn about what they do. That That is so important. So that would be my my final parting words is just go out and talk to more people. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Rob. And that goes back to that that other thing that you talked about, which is that networking, right? Yes. You have to network. You want you need to be in that mindset of I am going to constantly learn about this, especially channel, right? Because it changes nearly quarter to quarter. Yes. There are new things, new trends, new partner type probably yeah. pops popped up, you know, just now as we were talk as we were yeah. talking. Right. There's yeah, so many and- different partnerships these days. There is too. And and I would add to that list the tech all the channel tech companies, get out and talk to them. They learn so much. You're learning so much magic from the people that you talk to, right? And yeah. that's a wealth of knowledge of, of not only learning about their technology and how it can help you, but also what they're hearing, what trends they're hearing and seeing and implementing with other uh, ISVs. So that's another huge avenue for information. That's for sure. Um, I know us here at Channel Mechanics, like we go to pretty much any of the um, of the not only regional but also the US um the US channel events. We're we're always there. Not not to only promote ourselves as a company and, and the solution we provide, but also to learn. Yes. Right? To understand what is what are the new trends, what are the new partner types. And there's there's a lot of great speakers and these are these are speakers that practice things just like yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You're the channel chief or you're a channel manager and you might be given a talk on, you know, new partnership um, that popped up and, you know, that partner didn't exist five years ago, yeah. right? It's a different way of not only partnering, it's a different different revenue model. I mean, there's a lot of things to it. A lot about SaaS is about um, implementation, right? Adoption, recurring revenue and expansion, Right. Yeah. And that's and that's how it goes. Um, so, you know, when that when that kicked off um, quite a few years back, I mean, it was a huge trend, but that's that's only going to continue. Yeah. And kudos to Kenneth, the channel mechanics, all the things you guys do to get out there and you share the knowledge, too. You're sharing it through the podcast. You share it through webinars. That That is so helpful to the channel. So thank you. Thank you very much, Rob. Excellent. Thank you once again so very much for coming on to the show. Wishing you and everyone from your team and beyond, add Beyond Trust, uh, <laughs> all the success in 2023. Guys, definitely go and check out Rob's um, Rob's podcast, Channel Journeys. There's over 100 episodes to dive into. Fantastic guests, loads of knowledge to be, um, to be consumed there. So definitely go check it out. Thanks, Rob. All right. Thank you. Success to you next year as well. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Hello again, Channel Pros. There you have it, a few of my thoughts on the role of Channel Chief. It is a very challenging, at times frustrating, and also very rewarding position, and I love it every day. I try to apply what I've learned about servant leadership from the greatest servant leader of all time, 
The Bible teaches us that in Christ, the goal of leadership is to serve, not to gain power. And whenever I get that backwards, well, it just never works out so good. Thank you for listening today. Thank you, Magic, for the opportunity to be on your show. For today's show notes, just go to channeljourneys.com backslash CJ106. You can subscribe while you're there. And be sure to subscribe to Channel Voices, the podcast for future channel leaders. It's off to a great start. I know I said this after my last episode, but this time I promise that for the next episode, you're going to hear from Janet Shines, and she's going to share the top 10 traits of ecosystem leaders, and it is loaded with such great advice. I know you're going to love it. Until then, have an awesome channel journey.